Here in the UK at the moment, we're having to deal with another lockdown and uh, there's not much you're really allowed to do. Maybe you're allowed to go out for a walk once a day, something like that, or to exercise. And it's a bit grim, uh, but occasionally there are lighter moments that make us laugh or smile. And uh, when the latest uh, lockdown started, um, a friend of mine broke the news to a little boy and he burst into tears and she said, what's wrong? And he said, I just can't bear going on any more long family walks. And that will make some of us a smile, maybe. Walks can be great fun, though, can't they? We can explore things and we can discover things. And years ago, um, I lived near a disused railway line and I could take my kids for a walk on it. And uh, it was really exciting, actually, because there was like a, a machine gun post there from the Second World War. And there was like a tower that you could climb up if you're really brave. And there was something else that was really exciting. There was a set of points uh, and they were rusted up a bit. But this set of points was where the line would split into two, into two ways, single line going into two. And there was this set of points, this bigger lever by the side of the track. And if you pulled on this, it would actually change the direction of the track. Part of the track would move for you. And I kind of saw this as a challenge. And I don't know if you've ever seen, um, you know, the, the Knights of um, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, any of those books or anything like that. But there's this there's this sword that, you know, you want to pull out of a stone called Excalibur. And it's a challenge. Can I pull this sword out of the stone? And, and when I saw this lever, I just kind of thought, there it is. It's all rusted up, hasn't been used for years. Maybe if I gave this lever a really big pull, I could actually uh, throw the points. So that's what I did. And I put all my weight on it. And there was a huge groan and a big clank. And um, these gr- giant rusty rails moved for me. It was amazing just to to see it. And if there'd been a train coming down, you know, a steam train from 50 years ago or whatever, it would have suddenly been rerouted because of what I did with that lever. You know, sometimes in life there are there are points that we come up to where there's a change in the track. And maybe you're living in one house or one area or a place of work or a church or a college or something like that. And then that lever is pulled clank. And for whatever reason, your life goes off in one direction and everyone else goes off in the other. And that lever, the moment it was changed, it was pulled rather, everything changed. Well, maybe it was your decision to pull the lever, to change the points. Maybe you took a job, you said yes to a job or you decided to move away or for whatever reason. Or maybe life's events were out of your control and the lever was pulled for you. And those faces that you would have seen every day or every week, that's all gone now. And your life's on a different track. Maybe you'll meet people again, but perhaps it won't feel the same as it did before the lever was pulled. Well, that's something that's been happening in our story today. It's like a lever has been pulled and a change has come into people's lives. Now, in our reading, we heard how the uh, these terrible actions of the brothers were inflicted on um, on Joseph. And that, that brought about a life change. The points were changed. There was a big clank. Uh, and Joseph 
and his father, who, who were really close, suddenly this lever is pulled, this event happens, and their lives follow two completely different tracks. Now, we, we read how Joseph's brothers hated him so much that they sold him as a slave and he's on his way to Egypt now. Then the brothers, they deceive their father into thinking that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. Well, Jacob, he now has to live a life without his son, Joseph. His life is different now. And this calamity impacts Jacob and Joseph, but they react in very different ways to it. Well, some of you will know the story about Joseph and, and what happens to him and the great things that he goes on to do. But today we're going to be looking at Jacob and what happens on his side of the track. So our title for today is When Life's Plans Change. When Life Plans Change. And I've got three headings for us. The first one is feeling overwhelmed. The second one is when faith gets weak. And we spend most of our time there. And the third one is God is good. And really the message today is for you if you're a Christian. It may help you if you're in a tough time now. Or maybe you might hit tough times in years to come. Or you know someone, a Christian, who's going through a really rough spell at the moment. And you want to know how to help them. But if you're not a Christian, I hope this will speak to you as well and show you how great God is and how he can help in your life. So the first heading that we're going to be looking at is feeling overwhelmed. Now, in our story, there's a calamity. Jacob believes that Joseph, his son, is dead. And you can really feel for him at this time. We read this. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So Jacob wept for Joseph. Now, I'm really cautious talking about calamities. We've all suffered different ways in our lives, in one way or another. And some of you, I imagine, have experienced much more pain and heartache than I have. And I'm not an expert on suffering in any way at all or how to cope with it. I have my own natural fears to contend with as well. And so this is a topic that we've got to look at. It features in our passage in the Bible. So we have to look at it. But it's something that's going to be useful for us, I hope. And there are some Bible verses that can help us in this passage and in other passages as well. Now, if we're Christians, we've got to remember, most of all, that it's God who helps us through these things. Psalm 46 verse 1 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Well, let me just ask, when do troubles come? When do they happen in life? Well, may I suggest from the Bible, it says that sometimes there's a season when things happen. We read about that in Ecclesiastes chapter three. And I'll just read a few verses at the beginning of that. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant 
and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And you might know of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he says he's learned to to live when life was good or when life was hard, when when he abounded or when he was abased, the Bible says. And he had seasons too. And we will in life have these seasons. So if calamity comes along, how should a Christian respond? Well, let me first say it's okay to be sad when a calamity happens. We know that Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, although he went on to to raise him again. And when you open the middle of your Bible, roughly, and you hit the Psalms there, you find many examples of where the writer, who is a Christian, is overwhelmed with grief, overwhelmed. And I'll read a few verses from Psalm 6, Perhaps after today, you you look that up and and you can think of it yourself. Well, David's talking here, King David, and he says this. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. And he says, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? And he's in trouble and he's in distress. And he asked the question, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. And it's okay to ask that of God, you know. But what you see in these Psalms so often is that there's a change that happens during this process with someone's grief. At the start, we're all at sea. We're overwhelmed. It's too much for us. But what happens there in the Psalms is people don't get stuck in that point of despair It's like they grab hold of God and his promises and his nature and they trust him that he will help them through. We see it in Psalm 6 again. David says, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy and the Lord accepts my prayer. And you see, that's where faith comes in. God will help me, says David. And he goes on and he says, all my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. And you see, his confidence is in God as a way out of all this grief that he's suffering. Now, we may not understand at all why calamities are happening. We may not know in this life until many years later when we can see God's hand in it. But it may be that we won't really understand why it happened until we get to heaven. But as Christians, we should have faith in who God is and that he loves us and that he is good. Well, what if someone else we know experiences calamity? How can we help them? You know, some years ago, a friend of mine died in really tragic, tragic circumstances. And I remember seeing his partner afterwards and all we could really do was just cry. There were no words at all. I was crying. She was crying. All the other people in the room, they were tearful. It was so emotional. And there's an instruction in the Bible for Christians. It's in Romans 12, 15. 
Weep with those who weep. And sometimes, you know, that is all we can do. You don't have the answers and I don't have the answers. And that's all we can do. But we can also help that person by urging them to find comfort in God. We can pray with them, calling for God's help and the perfect peace that only he can give to them. You can point them to Bible verses that his promises are to be trusted and they come true. And if they're not Christians, you can tell them about a saviour who loves them enough to die for them. And they can find peace in knowing him. He'll never leave them and he'll help them through their agonies. Well, our second heading. What about when faith gets weak, when faith gets weak? You know, sometimes when a calamity strikes, someone who thought they were a Christian completely walks away from God completely and they reject the Bible and everything. And I don't know if you've known maybe every anybody like that. It's very sad. And it's like they think, I cannot believe in a God who would allow that to happen. And this can even turn sometimes into a hatred for God himself. And it's like their faith was conditional on God behaving in a certain way. And sadly, it becomes clear that they weren't Christians all along at that point. But, you know, sometimes there are Christians, real Christians, people like Jacob in our story, who still believe in God and they follow him, but they get themselves into a terrible state. And what's sad with Jacob is that he is overwhelmed by grief, but he gets stuck there. And the writers of the Psalms, well, they reach out for God, but Jacob doesn't. And he's stuck in in this despair. And, you know, it lasts for over 20 years. Now, I think there are important reasons for uh, us to understand why this happens and how this happened to him so that we don't get stuck in a kind of spiritual wilderness of misery. That would be terrible for us. And there are different things to watch for here that can harm our faith. And the first thing I want to talk about is personality. Now, we all battle with our character traits in different ways. And Jacob had a side to him, which I'm going to mention now, in the past where he deceived people. He tricked his own father and he tricked his own father into giving him his family's inheritance and blessing and not his brother. And now Jacob is being tricked in a similar kind of way by his own sons. There's a saying in the world, which you've probably heard, what goes around comes around. Or it's karma. But the Bible says something on this in Matthew 7 verse 2. However you measure it out to others, it will be measured back to you in the same way. And Galatians 6 verse 7. God is not mocked for for whatever, whatever a man sows that he shall reap. It's almost like there's a natural justice that God has put in the world today. And Jacob doesn't realise it, but a trick he played on others is coming right back at him. Now, that's not my main point here, but I'm saying it because some of you may have spotted this irony immediately. But Christians, I want to talk really more about personalities in a different way. You see, personalities can help or they can harm our Christian walk in different ways. 
Now, let's say you're a really confident person. Confidence is great. And as a Christian, that could be really good. But sometimes confidence can mean that we become too confident and we do reckless things that aren't really wise. We're not very cautious. On the other hand, it's good to be humble. But sometimes if we're very humble, we might be so timid that we find it very hard to speak to anybody about God. Well, God is gracious and he can help us to overcome these natural weaknesses that we're born with and that have shaped us. Well, God can shape us himself and change us for better. We are all a work in progress. Let's not forget that. Now, I don't know if you're a kind of person that looks at a glass of water and you say, well, it's half empty. Or you look at it and say, well, it's half full. Maybe you're an optimist or you're a pessimist. Or Jacob is someone who looks on the downside. He's a pessimist. He's a fearful person and he tends to think the worst. And you tend to see that through his life. Now, sometimes in the news, you hear of a tragic story where someone has gone missing. And maybe there's a plea from their father and their mother. Please come home. Please come home. And maybe they they fear the worst for their son or daughter, but they're clinging on to the hope that they'll see them again, that they'll be okay and they'll come home. While there's hope, they're hanging on to it. And sometimes that person is found, praise God, when that happens. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we, we read this, love hopes all things. And as Christians, we should be like that. We believe in a great God who can do amazing things. And with him, all things are possible. And we hope for the best with God. But, you know, Jacob's downbeat personality really gets the better of him in this sister, in this um, passage. You know, we read that Jacob recognises Joseph's coat and immediately says, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. It's like Jacob instantly jumps to the conclusion that Joseph is dead. And there's no doubt for him whatsoever. Jacob doesn't even allow for the fact that God may have kept Joseph alive. Maybe Joseph was injured and someone rescued him and left the coat behind. And Joseph's healing up somewhere. Maybe someone stole the coat off Joseph and that person was killed. Jacob is a pessimist by nature and this really gets the better of him here. And he just writes his son off as being dead. But, you know, he's so wrong because Joseph is alive. Now, another thing to notice here is that Jacob's plans become a bit of a problem. And our plans can become a problem in life sometimes as well. Now, sometimes we make big plans in life and something derails them. Imagine a young sports star and and they get an injury. And it's really sad that it ends their career before it's really begun. Now, sometimes we can have big plans in life about our careers, about our relationships, about families and children and homes and all sorts of things. And we can be very attached to those plans and extremely upset if God has different ideas about them. 
Now, Jacob has something very big that's going to be happening in his life. It's something that God has promised him. And if you were to look back, maybe later, back at Genesis chapter 28, you will see that God told Jacob that his descendants would spread over all the earth and that there'd be a great nation and God would be with with him wherever he went and that God would make this happen. But the problem here is Jacob is deciding how he is going to make this happen. You see, he's been putting together his own master plan and he's put Joseph at the centre of the family to make this happen. He decided to give Joseph the fancy coat and the authority and Jacob has got his way of doing things. And that was it. That's it. Jacob knows best. Joseph was his favourite. Maybe he even idolised Joseph. And the future of the family, Jacob decides, is going to be built around Joseph. But God has different ideas. Yes, he's going to use Joseph in a wonderful way. But God's big plan is actually built around another brother. It's built around Judah. And that was the line that was going to lead to the Lord Jesus Christ in due time. So whose plan is going to win? I mean, is it going to be Joseph's plan or is it sorry, Jacob's plan or is it going to be God's plan? Well, it's going to be God's plan, isn't it? But what's so sad is that Jacob takes this so badly when his plan doesn't work out. He really refuses to accept that there might be a better plan that God has rather than his own. The verses say this, Jacob refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. It's like he says, I'm done. Now it's over. And he's hard in his heart and he's refusing any comfort. It's really like Jacob is dictating, dictating to God how his life is going to be. And it's a bit like he thinks he's God himself. I can decide this. This is the way it's going to be. Friends, let me just say, it's not wrong to make plans. We all need to make plans. But in James chapter four, it tells us this. Whatever plans we make, we should say this. If that's what God wants, if that's what God wants, if God is willing, then I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And we need to be open and willing ourselves that God might change our plans. And he might have a better way for us and trust him with that. Like I said earlier, Jacob now sinks into despair for over 20 years. Listen to his words here. I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And worse than that, you know, he lashes out at other people. Later on in the book of Genesis, we read that he accuses his sons like this. Listen to this language. You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. It's like a a victim mindset. I don't know if you've met people in your life who are like that. Maybe they're Christians who've become very bitter because their lives didn't go the way they wanted or hoped. And they're in the wilderness for years. And there may be a sad shell of what they ought to be. But you know, the wonderful thing is that God can turn it around. And our third heading is God is good. And I want to share 
a couple of verses with you right away that are really encouraging. Here they are on the screen. And the first one is Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. A new season is coming. And the great promise in Romans 8, 28. God works all things for good for those that love him. And Christians, these are great verses that we can hang on to. Now, God took Joseph away from Jacob. Yes, he did. But that would actually turn out to be the saving of Jacob's life and his family. Famine was going to come. Many of them would have died. Perhaps all of them would have died. But now Joseph is going to become the prime minister of Egypt and get the food that will be necessary to save their lives. And it's all going to turn out for good. God's way, God's plan, because God is good. And even though, you know, it's like Jacob has given up on God, God has not given up on him. And after 20 years of misery, things are going to change. And, you know, it's actually Joseph, who's kind of like a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ here, who lifts Jacob up again. The brothers discover years later that Joseph is alive and they come home and tell their father. And then Jacob sees the carts which Joseph has sent to carry him to Egypt. And Genesis 45 verse 27 tells us something absolutely amazing. We read this. Then the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And what wonderful words they are. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. It's like his heart was stone and suddenly it's beating again. How good God is. Undeserved kindness to us. He's so true to his promises. If only we had trusted him all along, what misery we could have been saved from. Well, friends, those are my three points. But I've got some closing thoughts for you. Christian friend, first of all, right now, do you feel as if your soul is half dead? You face calamity, maybe in the past or just recently or right now. And life has taken a bad turn for you. <clears throat> Maybe you've been in the wilderness for some time. Maybe you're watching or listening to this online and you've stopped coming to, to church for years. I've got to say to you, don't be like Jacob and say my life is over. Everything's against me. Don't let bitterness and resentment come in because things didn't seem to work out. Don't go into yourself and shut yourself off. God has better plans than we do. If only we would submit to them. His plan might be the one that rescues you from the troubles that you're facing right now. Maybe you're down, you know, and maybe, maybe there's barely a pulse in, in your Christian life. I would say this. Call on Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him. Like the psalmists did. And your soul will revive. Find that key of faith. You know, the key of faith that you you trust God. And the great God he is. And that key of faith. You'll find that way out of the trouble and the sadness that you're in at the moment. It's OK to say, Lord, 
I feel that my life is overwhelming me. I cannot cope. Why is this happening to me now? But don't get stuck there. Ask him for help. Trust him that he will help you and see that he will and he will help you. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 8 says this. Humble ourselves before God and cast our cares on him. And, you know, he'll carry them for us and then he'll lift us again in his time. We need to believe and have faith that God can transform everything, even when things are tough for us. He'll do great things, perhaps beyond what we can ask or what we can even think. And he did that for Jacob in his way, in his time. And he can do it for each one of us as well. Now, lastly, I don't know if you've been uh, anywhere fancy, you know, on holiday, maybe to Venice or Paris or even Toronto. Maybe there's some beauty spot or other. And and you've seen a, a, a great you've seen a street artist at work, you know, sketching away at the side of the road. Or maybe it's a painter or someone doing chalks or spray paints or or something like that. And you kind of sneak up behind them and you have a little look to see what they're doing. And you're sort of tracing their hand to see what shapes they're making. Well, you, you start seeing some sketches and some lines and some squiggles, but, but it's a bit confusing. Uh, but maybe you go off and have an ice cream or something like that and you come back uh, and you trace their hand again. And now you can see what they're doing. A wonderful picture is taking shape and, and you see it through and you see this magnificent portrait that's being drawn at the end of it. Friend, if you're a Christian today, God has a perfect plan for your life. Now, we can't always see it or understand it. Maybe events are hard and confusing for you at the moment. But God can work it for good because he loves you and cares for you. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon had a lovely way of putting this, which I want to share with you now. He says this. God is too kind, sorry, God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And I want to put those words on the screen for you. And I want you to try and remember them, please. When you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And that's faith, Christian friend. Hold on to that. And if you're not a Christian today, turn to God and ask him to save you and to love you. Friend, I've got to say to you this. He's a great God and he'll keep you and love you. And when bad things happen, he'll work them for your God too. He will work them for your good too. Friend, trust God even in the calamity. And he will see you through and he'll work it for your good. Amen.